And boom goes the dynamite. Stop the music and go home. I repeat, stop the music. Length episode 70 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, sorry we had to delay all this uh, for, for a week, man. It's okay because I don't see nothing wrong with a little bumper episode. <laughs> oh, God. Why, why, why are you doing that, man? I'm, I'm, I'm reclaiming it. Art is for everyone. We can uh, We can kill the artist and keep the art. Can we, though? I, yes. I, I think that's an ongoing conversation. I think it is, but, you know, we all have answers, and that's mine. Uh, well, if you insist. But, uh, yeah, circumstances did not allow for me to record a separate Revolution uh, episode, which yeah. is fine, because the last time we did a Revolution episode, we also had to delay it and you know combine it with a, a dynamite episode but it was for different reasons namely because the last time it was part of the c2e2 comic-con so i wasn't available for that and then chris went live to dynamite that week because it was in denver so so now there's a conversation worth having here uh this is some boom goes the dynamite lore uh is revolution weekend cursed that one wasn't really cursed, I don't think. It was just it was just Maybe. part of the Comic Con. So I mean, right. so I but wasn't now, available. Know, then, Madden, it's like the Madden curse. You know, the first time that uh, a Madden cover guy gets hurt, it's just you know a coincidence. But then it happens again, and then it happens again, and then it happens again. And will we have a Revolution episode in three years? I don't know. You'll have to keep listening to find out. <laughs> uh yeah, I guess we, we'll we'll see. We're if it's building long term lore on this podcast. <laughs> You know, I I did see one thing I I I am severely not happy about um, is that the double or nothing is going to be on a Sunday too now. Yes, I, I don't know if this is a regular thing or if it's still because of scheduling or because of you know uh, pre-existing TNT programming. Uh, I don't know what they have sports-wise on um, Memorial Day weekend, but I suppose we'll find out. Have you read anything on this, or is that answer out there? Uh, no, the only thing I could think of conceivably would be the Indy 500, and I don't think TNT has anything to do with that. I don't that. think TNT carries that, nor would that would they preempt a pay-per-view, or nor would, uh, that's a daytime thing, too, so, yeah. yeah. so, I, I don't know, I mean, the, yeah, I, I just hope that they, they're not just going to Sundays, because that's, you know, the traditional pay-per-view day, because I was kind of liking Saturday pay-per-view. And it's and it's an interesting choice because uh, you know their current little, if you want to call it a Wednesday night war, appears to be coming to a close with NXT moving uh, and AEW choosing to compete on a different front. I think is an interesting move. 
Because there, I mean, there's no way to do this without pay-per-views overlapping at some point, right? Or are you going to keep dodging WWE and intentionally doing it on different Sundays, which, you know, seems like a concession of its own right? Well, I mean, I don't think WWE, I mean, I mean, during the peak of the attitude of the Monday Wars, WCW and WWE were not running competing pay-per-views. So, um, yeah, and and I think the fact that AEW only does four per year. Also true. So I I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, I just, I I just prefer it to be on Saturdays. That's all. I I liked the Saturday night feel it, you know, as a guy, you know, who grew up a boxing fan and still like, I do have a lot of reverence for like the institution of boxing, despite how horrifically broken it is, you know, in its current form. Um, but yeah, I think a Saturday night main event, like feels like a big fight. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's a fight night with with UFC. Um, it's fight night with boxing fight night with wrestling. I think it works. And especially with AEW at times, I guess, wanting to present themselves as more of a real sports property, <laughs> which I don't know. I, at this point, I don't which I think it's a very pro wrestling thing that they just choose whenever they're that company. Yeah. Right. We're very <laughs> selective about it. Yeah, because it wouldn't be for anything that we're going to talk about on this program. No, um, not not at all. Um, of course not. Uh, but, there were some very real sports on Saturday. Uh, Sunday. Yes. See, I'm not used to it either, Jeff. Hey, God I'm damn telling it. You, I'm telling you. It's going to take some getting used to. Yeah. It's gonna... I, it's a, yeah. Tony Khan, come on, man. You, 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 you can't do the Sunday thing. Tony, give us back. Tony, this is going to be a very interesting conversation to have today because oh, on this very podcast last week, uh, we focused heavily on Tony Khan winning on multiple fronts. And uh, just one week later, uh, it shows how quickly that narrative can change. It, it does, in, indeed. So we, we, we should really get into that uh, we right certainly now should. as we speak. So we are going to begin. Now, did you watch The Dark Before Revolution? Yes, I did, and uh, I don't have the uh, the prescript bit because I'm killing it, and we'll talk about why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But okay. yeah, I watched some of it. Um, I was watching it while playing Civilization VI and like sort of paying attention. Uh, you know, it's AW Dark. It was nice. Okay. Uh, anything worth checking out on it or? Uh, I think there was an Abaddon match. So do so. Always watch Abaddon. Um, and the other cool thing about AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation is that you'll have a companion podcast uh, to listen to for that, dear listener. But more on that later in the show. All right. So of course there is the. Always the traditional buy-in, uh, you know, keeping with the casino theme that they apparently want to keep uh, yep. keep maintaining. I mean, it's it's worked in the video games front, and it's going to work here too. Uh, so the buy-in match was supposed to have been Thunder Rosa and Riho against Britt Baker and Rebel or Reba, whichever you prefer. Um, so now they're running an angle with uh, Rebel. Unable Reba. to wrestle, and um, so Britt Baker had to have a mystery partner. So our buy-in match was Thunder Rosa and Riho versus Britt Baker and Aki freaking Ito. Aki Ito, yeah, Maki Ito shows up. We're going to lightning round this pay-per-view because, you know, obviously our takes are like freezing cold, but it's always important to take a little pause for Maki Ito. Yeah, yeah so of course. You have to. Ito making her pay-per-view debut to sort of. On the buy-in, uh, very exciting stuff. Uh, fun match, too. It was a fun match. Uh, the heels win uh, yes. with Re- with Rebel hitting Thunder Rosa with her with her crutch, and uh, 
Britt getting the win on that. So yep, so that was nice, and maybe we'll see more of Maki later. Who knows? Uh, maybe. Yeah, may- maybe, maybe, maybe later in the week we'll find out. Uh, you know, then we get that that little interstitial period in which uh, you know they they introduce Jim Ross, you know, with the the Oklahoma University Boomer Sooner fight song and god jr's voice was fucking trashed he got it a little bit back on track as the pay-per-view went on but he started out a little hoarse uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah like uh yeah maybe yeah, Jim, should... jimmy needed a little glass of water um but maybe he, a he glass did... of water maybe maybe a covid vaccine you know <laughs> maybe which which i did get today by the way um i am you are you are speaking to me with that uh, i got that good arm pain today oh yeah i got that shot soreness going and it feels so good so how, how do you Let's feel get you, vaccinated do, do, do you feel your dna being rewritten as we speak well i mean i think you can hear the incredible sound quality and bit rates that we're getting because of the just super fast 5g that i'm emitting from my brain waves <laughs> um, and i gotta tell you jeff it's been just a blessing so i'd like to thank bill gates um, I'd like to thank George Soros and everyone else that made this happen for me. Uh, uh, I really appreciate it. And I welcome you as my new overlords into the, uh, the coming millennia. Hey, uh, speaking of, uh, conspiracies, can I go on a quick tangent real quick? Hell yeah, you can. That's what this, it's a podcast. We have a podcast. <laughs> what, if you didn't feel like going on tangents, why would you even do a podcast? I um, thought that's why we're here. I, I was going to throw this out there. This is my official position on this. Uh, fuck crypto art and fuck NFTs. And fuck yeah. and fuck DC Comics for for buying into this bullshit. I just want to also say that I too will hate MFTs as soon as I figure out what they are. Uh, well, apparently it's art that is like encrypted and uses a you know more electricity than you know the entire country of Argentina. It's it's Bitcoin art basically, yeah, pretty much it's blockchain art and like items. Yeah, this is getting big with uh, the sports card world with NBA Top Shots and some other things. Um, my other co-host uh, Harry Mack, who you can hear us on Fake Fight Real Fight, um, is into this a little bit and is into this world. And we know some people in this world. It's weird. It's wild. I don't get it. It's definitely a pump and dump scam of some sort. Mm-hmm. It's going to crumble like the house of literal cards that it's supposed to be. But it is important for us to keep our eye on it because this absolutely will penetrate the wrestling world and there will be non-fungible tokens of wrestlers. I think there already are autograph uh, uh, ones out there or like the digital ones. Yeah. And that's definitely something you're going to see, especially WWE weighed into yeah, for so, sure. There's- uh, so fuck this shit is all I'm going to yeah, say. You know, I don't know enough about it, but it seems bad. It, 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 it seems real bad. And, you know, DC Comics getting involved with a, uh, a, a an NFT version of, like, a Batman statue. Like, yeah. a, you, you should have seen all the... Dude, just get a Batman statue. It's, like, way more cool to, like, have a statue yeah. of Batman just in your front yard. You know, and it, I would respect... If I drove by your house, I can't see your hard drive. I don't know that you have that, but... If you just put a Batman statue on your front lawn, I'll drive by and I'll go, look, that's a cool person I want to be friends with. Hey, you know what? You know what else you could do? You could, like, commission an artist to draw Batman for you. Or you could just, yeah, have someone draw Batman. You can poorly draw Batman yourself. It'll look terrible because you can't draw. Yes, I'm talking to you. But still, you can do it. (laughs) Hey, man, that hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, you, Jeff. Everyone else. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, I just want to throw that because I know that somebody on the AEW roster, possibly Chris Jericho, will get involved with this bullshit in some way because 
Yeah, he you know. will definitely get like a non-fungible token of him going, a little bit of the bubbly. The GIF will be a non-fungible token. <laughs> right. And it's going to sell for like $83 million. And, 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 you know, cost, like, again, expend more Okay, what do you think, than... just off the top of your head, what do you think would be the highest selling like NFT like wrestling GIF? What do you think would be the most expensive one? Like the most rare, most? Um, of a wrestling GIF? Um, if they, if they pick one, that would probably be the highest value. Uh, probably the Vince McMahon creaming himself. Uh, on, that's uh, that's got to be up there. Yeah. Mine would probably be Hogan body slamming Andre. Okay, okay. You yeah. feel like that's the one that would generate the most value. As much as I hate to say it, it probably would. I'm just like, if, I, if I'm looking at it like the Darren Ravel, like, I'm just looking at it from the business angle. Uh, that's the one I feel like. Yeah, but you know what? Th- this shit's awful. And I yeah. think the most, I think the most valuable one, like in our hearts and minds, would be the birth of the hand. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> let's, Why? Let's, let's move. Why, on. Why would you? Let's, 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 let's go ahead and keep going, moving forward here. We got a lot of podcast. We got a lot of ground to cover, Jeff. We got, okay. What, what's, what's that? What did you say? Re- Revolution, the pay per view on uh, March the seventh, twenty twenty one. Live from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. We go right in with the AEW World Tag Team title match between Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, versus Chris Jericho and Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, now, I have to admit that I had some dishes I had to do because I, I, I cooked a, a, a wonderful meatloaf. Ooh, uh, prior to um, prior to the day, that's and a I, nice. And I, a I, nice I left my I let my pan soak a little bit. I thought, okay, maybe you know the the bucks are gonna go like trying to go like forty minutes on this shit. So uh, oh. I figured they were gonna do this. I figured that they were gonna do this in like at the front of the you know like somewhere in like the middle of the show. Oh no, they did the first match. I was like, well, fuck. And so I you know ended up doing my dishes for the first you know ten minutes of this match. Right. I do agree that I didn't expect this to be the opening match, and it was an interesting choice to be the opening match. Uh, I didn't expect it to be more than, you know, 15 to 17 minutes because it's a Chris Jericho match. And I just don't think he's going to work those type of long matches anymore. He might have one left, but I don't think we're going to see that unless it's like one of those another New Japan crossover or a title match or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a nice little match. It got it, it did what it was supposed to do. Uh, I predicted um, MJF and Jericho to win this, and uh, you predicted uh, the Young Bucks. So what happened there, Jeff? Uh, that would be a victory for the Bucks of Youth over Chris Jericho. Um, yeah. I will admit, I will admit this was a much better match than I thought it would be. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was definitely, I mean, you got four really good wrestlers. The Bucks were especially on in this one. And when the Bucks are on, they, I mean, you know, I'm not really fans of like, you know, their whole characters and their whole like thing, but they're really objectively super good at wrestling. Yeah. I mean, but again, you know, they, they, they have a formula and absolutely why do they follow it. They certainly do. And this was a, I mean, we've talked about that a bunch. Like when you get like a good Young Bucks match, you're like, oh, and I know what this is, but I like it. You know, it's, you get a pizza. You're not going to get surprised by your pizza. You're just going to enjoy your pizza. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a totally fine match. Um, and, and inner circle stuff. Yeah. And, and inner circle stuff, which, uh, yeah, we'll talk about later. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Bucks retain. And then, uh, I, I gotta be honest. I don't remember a ton of the match besides like um, Matt Jackson like doing a lot of like big heart guy spots. Like I have a lot of heart type stuff. Right. 
that was kind of what the story was to me. It was like Mac yeah, Jackson Bre- yeah, hanging Bre- in tough. Yeah, Bre- Bret Hart guy. That's <laughs> like if, if if you could somehow mash, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, you get the Young Bucks somehow. That's like a, actually an incredible compliment. You don't think you're being as nice as you're being, Jeff. No, but I mean, I'm just saying, you know, between you know the super kicks and and the sharpshooters, you know that that that's clearly what they're the, the, what they're going for. Yeah, I mean the sharp them using the sharpshooters regularly is an interesting choice. They've been doing that a long time, right? Yeah, since New Japan at least. Yeah, okay, I, I thought so. I thought so. I did like uh, the Scorpion Deathlock question. It's like, is it uh, is it a Scorpion Deathlock or is it a sharpshooter? That was on the commentary. I think Jr. dropped it, it, that. It's a Sasorigatame, is what they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's show show some respect for Riki Choshu here. All uh, respect to Choshu. Uh, their next uh, opponents for the titles were decided in our second match of the evening, the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale. Which I'm not going to list every team that came out. Uh, I will say this: uh, you know, matches of this type, yeah, they're. Again, they follow a formula as well, and they're pretty clusterfucky. Uh, this was pretty fun, though, I have to yeah, say. I, well, something we talked about last week was that AEW tends to get these right, uh, these Battle Royale matches. They tend to do a really good job making that interesting, all the way from their roots at All In. The All In Battle Royale at their like pre-show was fantastic. Uh, and they've had a lot of good battle royales. This one absolutely delivered. Um, to, I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of giving it away. What my thought about the show was, but since we're getting through it quickly, this is my favorite match of the night. I think this was the one I enjoyed wow, watching. Really? Okay. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought everything about it worked. Um, everybody was on. You got to see all the tag teams like sh- get their showcase stuff in. Um, I thought it was really well done. It 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 was. And I thought the, the, the we got the right winners. We definitely got the right winners because we are. We on this podcast are all about El Triangulo de la Muerte, and yes. your winners were Billy Big Fish Bollocks, The Bastard Pack, and Ray Phoenix. Yes, so Phoenix and Pack uh, challenging for the tag team titles in the uh, pretty near future. Very excited about that. Um, and also, you know, adds some intrigue to the uh, coming ladder match. It did indeed. Um our third match of the evening for the AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida defending against Ryo Mizunami. Uh, this might have been my favorite match of the night, honestly. And you'd be fair for that one. I would, This one was up there for me, too. I thought it was great. Mizunami uh, is fantastic. Oh, she was so good. She's so good. And, you know, I, I talked about this being like a coming out party for Mizunami. And regardless of the result, we didn't expect her to win, but we did expect her to get a big rub, and that's exactly what happened. This match was very well executed on both sides. Now, I will say this. The the crowd really should have shown a bit more respect for this match, and I think they would have had the tournament been on fucking TV. That's probably a start. I think the crowd did give really reverence, and you could tell Mizunami was winning the crowd. You know, they're not as loud. It's outdoors, and they're at, what, uh, 25% capacity? Is that what they ran? I thought they were still running 10, but they may have, might have opened it up their a biggest little bit. Crowd. Because, yeah, yeah, I think this was their largest crowd that they've done. I think they run, yeah, Dynamite at 10, but they ran this show at 25. And you could definitely hear it. And you could hear them, like, you know, getting in. People like Hikaru Shida, though, man. People like rooting for her. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I still think that this would have gone a lot better crowd-wise had the tournament actually been on TV. And that's something yeah. that we're, you know, again – we're going to criticize because they, they, they say that they're giving, you know, women's wrestlers this big spot, but then they, they shove them onto YouTube and then 
you know, well, or, there's, or, there's or, a little or, bit to talk about here going forward because between this um, and some of the other stuff involving women's wrestling, there's a narrative here and there's there's some legitimate momentum. And it's really interesting to see how they move it forward. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, we, we will get into that. This will come up again. But I mean, because this is like, a, yeah, I mean, every that, time like a, there's a really good women's match on one of these shows, we think that it could be like that thing that really gets the ball rolling for the division. And then it, it usually stops short. You know, you get one step forward, a half step backwards. Yeah. Uh, but this we're looking like some real forward momentum here. And I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I, I will agree. But again, you know, you know, between that, you know, with the, uh, you know, the, the fuck up at, at Bleacher Report, too, you know, it's just like. They, oh, they keep, which, you know, they, that's not they, like intentional. That could have happened to anybody's matches or however broadcast. Well, I, it's I not specifically it because it's women's wrestling that happened, you know? Right. I get that. Right. But do you think they would have put a men's tournament on YouTube and, you know, left it to chance like that? Do I think they would? Yes. But I really, okay. but I, oh yeah. But I think it's obviously very telling that their experiment with it starts with the women's division um, because they feel like it's the lowest risk. Mm. probably that, that, that might be true but and that so that is telling that is telling but no do i think there will be men's tournaments like on these other platforms in the future yes i do okay well uh, yeah, i think of the receive better than than the women's tournaments are yeah i mean well i think again they're gonna like it's gonna they're gonna normalize you know using these other platforms and stuff and it won't be like a make a huge difference to us like where they are i mean you Obviously, with Dark and Dark Elevation, they're showing, like, what they want to do with those things and, like, what kind of stuff they want to showcase there. Using, like, a, like a high-profile, quote-unquote, women's tournament to, like, uh, like see what their capabilities are and what kind of audiences they can draw, I think it is an experiment. But, yeah, I think it's it shows that they're willing to put the women's division up like that and be really willing to risk the failure there more than they would with, like, let's say another TNT title tournament, for example. Okay, I mean, you might be right on that, but I still think that they sh- really should have given more attention to this on on AEW TV. But I mean, yeah, we, we, this, this, this is this is the evergreen argument that we make. Um, yeah. Post match, Nyla Rose attacks both women, and then Britt Baker gets involved, and so does Thunder Rosa, and so does one Maki Ito, and we are off we have momentum these are all stars in this ring these are all women that you can put in a high profile match or a main event match there's a little teaser mm. for later oh you, you don't say mm. uh backstage chuck taylor and orange cassidy get attacked by miro and kip sabian including chuck taylor going through a window yeah that was uh, a, get, get, that getting a little down. getting a little sliced up there so yeah i mean all i'm gonna say is you know what chuck taylor may not be allowed to say shit on TV, even though it seems like the rest of the roster is able to, but by golly, he was going to bleed before that Omega guy was. It's a great bit, and when he finally does get to say shit, it's going to be really good. The, the, the pop will be massive. It's going to, yeah, it's really going to count. They should wait till full crowds for Chuck to say shit. <laughs> That's one thing they really should hold for a full audience. Uh, unfortunately, I, I again, I, I'm really tired of this feud, and then and Miro gets the win, so... yeah. Which is fine. I mean, Miro should be, like, absolutely dominating over everybody. Although, yeah. Miro didn't seem to really give too much of a shit that, you know, he threw Kip Sabian into Penelope Ford. You know? Yeah. I mean, again, he's supposed to be an intense bad guy. I think we're going to start seeing that stuff crack. He's not supposed to care as much because we're going to start seeing that uh, start to come apart, I think. I think we're starting to see the other side of this. But 
Uh, to mention a little bit of a kayfabe down here, uh, Miro is coming to Penelope's defense in real life, like as we're making this podcast. Oh. Um, yeah, so Miro uh, heard some stuff that apparently Jim Cornette said negatively about Penelope. Um, yeah, so he he had a insensitive nickname, and uh, he appears Not to have Cornette. done some slut shamey type things. Uh, not, as not, Jim relates, Cor- not James Cornette. As it relates to one James Cornette. Wow. Yes. Uh, so Miro, uh, just a little bit ago, said, Jim Cornette, if you call Penelope Slut again, I'll come like the God's wrath on you. You understand. I'll personally drive to your basement, in all caps. Basement is in caps. Uh, he says, people like Jim Cornette bring not only pro wrestling down, but young women and men get abused and name called for 40 views on YouTube. And then just a tweet. Answer me, you Mark Jim Cornette. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I mean, we we all liked uh, yeah, Miro. Miro just... lighting Jim Cornette up. I mean, I mean, I mean honestly, probably too babyface for him to even be doing, but uh, he's correct. Oh, he's a hundred percent correct. He's a hundred percent correct and right. And fuck Jim Cornette. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we, we we're, we're pretty, you know, fundamentalist yeah, not, on that I'm point. Not real happy with uh, with Miro's uh, uh, storyline stuff that he's been given thus far, but uh, he remains to be uh, a cool dude most of the time. Just don't ask him about economics. <laughs> right. Uh, backstage, Alex Marvez is with uh, Chris Jericho and MJF as they are calling an inner circle war council for. Dynamite. Oh, be still my beating heart. All right. We did the work council. It happened. Let's move on. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will. We got a lot of podcasts to cover. Let's go. All right. Uh, our fifth match of the evening, the big money match in which the winner gets the losers first quarter earnings uh, between Adam Page and big money Matt Hardy. Um, this was an okay match. Uh Hard- Hard to, for Adam Page to just have a bad match. He's like a main event level guy who has main event level matches no matter where he's at on the card. I think you can count on him. And I was surprised this wasn't the opening match, Jeff, because I thought if you really want to give the crowd a, a, a jolt right away, give him Adam Page right out of the gate. Well, I mean, the, the crowd's still into the Young Bucks, too, though. So and, Yeah. You know, and, 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 and they still like to sing along to Judas for some yeah. ungodly reason. Uh, uh, Judas is like Stockholm Syndrome of music, man. I still sing along to it, too. I can't fucking help myself. <laughs> um, of course, Matt Hardy has his whole, you know, hired hands out there to help. So, of course, Adam Page gets uh, an assist from the entire damn Dark Order. The homies. A- the a- boys. Except for Negative One, who was probably, you know, had, 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 you know he, he, he had to, you know, give a big presentation in front of yeah he's a growing boy he has school in the morning you know uh he's being well taken care of unfortunately no anna jay uh we've talked about her injury but she did have a successful surgery so uh i think we'll be seeing anna back pretty soon uh also who had a successful surgery who who, who else got who who else who else's injury was announced the same day as anna Oh, uh, the Hiromu surgery, right? Yeah, well, one Hiromu Takahashi. So yes, how so Hiromu is good as well. Yes, he he's had his Love surgery. Him. Yes, and uh, so yeah, we'll uh, since the forbidden door is open, we can say get well, Hiromu. Yes, indeed. Oh yeah, and it's also my show, so I can say that anyway. <laughs> True. Our sixth man. Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, Adam Page gets the win over yeah, Matt he Hardy. Gets, he's, he gets a win. He gets some money. Matt Hardy's still mad. Matt Hardy's still mad. 
he 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 can die mad. So and that's uh, this is something that's interesting. So Matt Hardy's got his little his little money gang, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then wait, did they announce that that was on Wednesday? They announced the other stuff with him, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's go. Okay, our sixth match of the evening: the Face of the Revolution ladder match, uh, in which six uh, six uh, mofos try to. Grab that brass ring, which was an unholy... That's a metaphor, right, Jeff? Wait, wait, wait. Dude, when you say brass ring, when you say grab the brass ring, that's a metaphor, and they're grabbing a different object, right? Uh, no, they were getting a a, a, a golden spray-painted donut-looking oh, thing. Oh, like a literal brass ring. <laughs> yeah. So yes. just no subtext is what you're... So just no subtext, all text... Yes, it, it, it's like it, it's like the Garth Marenghi uh, gif. You know, I, I know you... Writers who use subtext and they're cowards. They are cowards. Yeah, I mean, we don't need it. You know, wrestling is an art form known for its subtlety and nuance. So I'm really glad that they uh, kept that trend going here. So your your participants in this ladder match are one, Executive Vice President Cody Rhodes, Penta El Cero Miedo, uh, Lance Archer, Scorpio Sky, Max Caster of the Acclaimed, and... One all ego Ethan Page. Max Caster, which oh, I didn't talk about this one on the AEW Dark thing. He cut a little ladder match rap on the Dark prior to Revolution. Uh, the hook was ladder match, ladder match, make the haters sadder match. <laughs> boy, <laughs> and, he was, uh, boy, he was going Sky, Max Caster uh, stays winning. Max Caster spits some real hot fire coming out. Oh, my God. What was the, 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 the one line that, you know, you know uh, you know, more blood on my hands than Governor Cuomo. It's like, so oh good. my shit. fucking god! Max Caster is really building some heat for themselves. This guy might be a heat-seeking missile. Oh my god! He might be like a like a like a like a top-level special kind of heel, man. I think we might be seeing something in this guy. I mean, that was. I mean, I, I still think he. I, I, I still think his rhymes are whack. But oh, well, that's, shit, they're not supposed yeah. to be good, though. This is what I'm talking about. He's like a real heel, though. Like to where someone like Miro is okay with like being like a babyface off screen. Max Caster is just gonna be a shithead all the time. And if a guy's that big of a shithead, you're not gonna want to like his rap, though, because that takes away from the whole thing, right? If he was like good or like spitting like really good verses and shit, people would be like, oh yeah, but at least the rap is dope. He doesn't want to be dope. He wants you to fucking hate him, and I love that right okay and that's fine which you know i guess it's it's, it's the same thing with mjf too yeah i mean and, we gotta remember that these are characters don't work yourself into a shoot but appreciate <laughs> the strong character work I, well i mean I I, I I i i am fully praising that that governor cuomo line though. it was <laughs> oh, i mean God. okay that was kayfabe that one was true <laughs> I mean, whoo, buddy. okay yeah, that, that one that one was a shoot <laughs> So, hey, can I confess something Andrew to you? Andrew Cuomo, retire, bitch. All right, yeah, continue. Can, can, can I? Yeah, can, yeah. did you see the, the, the bullshit? Someone said that, you know, Andrew Cuomo's not part of the politician class. Like, No, no, Andrew Cuomo himself you know, said uh, that. That yeah. came from his own mouth at a press conference yesterday. Right, yeah, not, not, not part of the politician class. Yeah, sure. Son of fucking, you know, the other Governor Cuomo. Son Mario, of an Italian. Son, son I mean, of Mario I mean, Cuomo. Gov- you know, son of you know, worked with the Clinton administration. Yeah, right. Who are yeah noted noted not criminals, the Clintons. Yeah. <laughs> oh lordy. Anyway, can can I confess something to you? Please. I am bored senseless with ladder matches. 
okay. This blew my mind when you met when you messaged me about this, and I said, <laughs> "Please save it for the podcast." Okay. And now we're here. Can, and can I just? Can I, I, ask, I, I I have said this before on on okay, other I, forums. I, but here we are, and I just want to ask you one question about this. Why? What? <laughs> Look, man. What do you mean? Because ladder matches are—they all—they all now follow a formula, and no, and there's you know, there's like nothing new you could do with a ladder match at this point. It, Again, it, 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 pepperoni pizza. Okay. This is, pepper, this is the pepperoni pizza of wrestling right here. Like you get it, and you know what it's gonna be, and you just shovel it into your face like the good little hog you are, and have a nice time. <laughs> but sometimes I don't want pepperoni pizza. Dude. Right, and that's why wrestling is a variety show, right? Wrestling and, and a pay per view like this is supposed to be a variety show. It's supposed to have those different kind of elements. I think where this pay per view failed is we might have been too much pepperoni pizza, Jeff. Yeah because, so this yeah, is because, yeah, because this is And that I can't agree with. But the because, concept of ladder matches, like, I, I I have to just make sure we, we round this out. I love them. So I'm totally on the opposite spectrum, and I love watching them. They're some of my favorite match types. I, mean, I think yeah, they're we, always we, interesting. I think they're always high tension. And I think uh, guys are really good with inventive, creative ladder spots. And even if you see something familiar, they're always trying to do little variations. It's fun to see, like, how people try to play with the format. Yeah, it has to be creative, and you have to try different things in order to like keep it interesting. But I think this one delivered on that, right? I thought this one was really compelling. I mean, it was okay. I mean, I didn't hate it, but again, I'm just not a fan of the format anymore. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I've just gotten. It, it's just I, I I I've seen too many ladder matches. I think. This bl- still blows my mind, well, but it's okay. Bad. I it's mean, fair. You know, I mean, it, you, you, it's still blown, and I'm not going to be able to process it properly. I mean, uh, I was not compete. I mean. <laughs> You and I may have have different perspectives on this, which is fine. I mean, it, it makes it makes hey, the, it makes the content. Good uh, thing we have a we have a podcast where we can talk about it. Wow, <laughs> look at that! Hell, well, hell's bells. <laughs> Listen up, motherfuckers. We're gonna disagree on some shit <laughs> live. Uh, in the end, Scorpio Sky does grab the brass ring. <laughs> like, actually. Literally know. grabs the brass ring. Again, an actual brass ring. So, what I was hoping for, and what I feel like was a really big miss with the other competitors in this match, is once Scorpio Sky had, you know, that ring, all you had to do was jump on top of his head, and he would spill a whole bunch of rings out. <laughs> you would not be the first person who made a... Uh... Sonic so if you just did that, <laughs> tried that, I feel like it would have just like you could have you know got your own, <laughs> or you could have collected a bunch and got an even bigger one. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, the the Sonic the Hedgehog memes were were flying on 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 the internet. MJF just comes out and he's got a Chaos Emerald on the uh, on, on the dynamite ring. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. A little bit of Sonic lore, a millennial. You know, one of my first uh, attempts at getting work in comics was with Archie, and my tryout was a Sonic the Hedgehog story, which apparently I passed, but I never heard from this editor again until like years later. We started talking. Like, uh, did you like like TV cartoons? Like, loves Chili Dogs, Sonic. Um, actually, I don't even think Sonic was in my tryout story because I was trying to do like a backup feature. So, like, you know, it was only, like, a five-pager. 
but I don't even think Sonic was in mine. It was just it was whatever Archie Comics uh, continuity was for Sonic the Hedgehog at the time. And uh, I and the editor in, in question, I didn't. I apparently passed, and then I never heard from him again until, like, years later. And then we were talking again, and I thought maybe I was going to get somewhere. And then um, two weeks later, he, he jumped ship to D.C. Well, And then I, I never got his new email address, so that was that. And that's networking, folks. That's the biz. That's the biz. That's that hot industry goss. Yeah, so. <laughs> In between... Our next matches, we get the big contract signing of the the major star, the major Hall of Fame worthy star that was uh, going to be signing to All Elite Wrestling Incorporated, and it was one Christian Cage. Christian Cage, which I think it's interesting that they're going with the Cage last name when they already have a guy with the last name Cage. They are not concerned with name doubles the way WWE is. Yeah, that that is kind of interesting, isn't it? We have uh, two cages, and there's also um, who else has the same last name? There's other guys with the same last name, and why is it escaping me now? And on on AEW program. On AEW, there's guys with the same last name on the AEW roster that I'm. Really? That's, that it's yeah, it's escaping me now. Maybe it'll come back to my head. There's uh, probably someone listening to the podcast like yelling it right oh, now, and I hope. Ja- you- oh, Jackson. No, not 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 actual brothers. Like, uh, never mind. Keep moving. No, 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 no. Big Shotty. Oh, no, it's Johnson. Oh, it is Johnson. My bad. It's Johnson. You're right. Big Johnson. <laughs> Why do, we got to get rid of the Shotty Lee part and just call him Big Johnson. Oh, wow. You can just wear those Big Johnson t-shirts. Remember the Big Johnson t-shirts? Yeah, that you'd of course find, I like, do. a tourist destiny. I remember Fort Myers Beach, Florida was my first, like, big exposure to Big Johnson t-shirts. Yeah. Well, about a, like a perfect place for it. Yeah, big, Fort Myers big, Beach. yeah big, big Johnson and the Ron John Surf Shop. Ron John Surf Shop shit. Yeah, dude, I, I used to live in the Keys, man. I was, yeah, so much Ron John. Where haven't you lived? Um, Chechnya. <laughs> Are you sure? Last time I checked. Uh, okay. I'm Which just... is good because Kadyrov would not like me. I don't think Putin would like me either. No, I'm way too gay for both of them. <laughs> our seventh match again, the- I want to make sure everyone understands sexuality is definitely a spectrum and I never feel that more as when Scorpio Sky is winning wrestling matches <laughs> okay then he's, I'm sorry he's just like, a, like I'm again I want to just real quick before we wrap that match up he was the right winner because this guy should be getting pushed like and be on camera a lot he looks like a fucking movie star I mean he's it, so handsome I mean it, it, if you've listened to Strong Style Story at all you know uh my, my, my ongoing uh, fetish with uh, Bushi, so. Bushi is, yeah, I mean, they cover him up a lot, but again, yeah, beautiful boy. I mean, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, our seventh it's match. Punks at MJPW. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> our seventh match of the Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, Steve Stinger and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage and Ricky Stark to Team Taz in the pre-filmed cinematic street fight. Which, yes. was, which was okay. not which was not really in the street. So was it actually a street fight? No, I mean, yeah, there were like like I mean, the building was on a street. I'm sure, I'm sure it would have an address, and uh, there would be a street. So that counts. But I mean, it wasn't on the street though. It was in yeah, a it was like, in a warehouse. Like you know, you go from you're you're out on the streets, and you don't have the permits, and there's people around, and you know someone's walking their dog, and you say, "Let's get in that warehouse. We can fight in there. We won't bother all these people out here." You know, uh, I think it was very nice of them. Um, 
You know what? I, I know that the cinematic matches are a thing now, and it, it seems to be the, the wave of the future. I didn't think this one was bad. I thought it, it was okay for, you know, getting Steve Stinger back into, you know, actual physical wrestling. I actually thought it rocked, and I thought the shot composition and the editing especially stood out for me. Like, I think from a technical standpoint there, I thought it was really well done. Uh, the wrestling was also very good, but I thought it was very creative with its shot selection um, and it, like it with was the camera together, angles they use and stuff. And, and then the, edit, the edits were great. It, it was put together rather well. I yeah, uh, so, and no coincidence here, Darby Allen was heavily involved in the uh, the creative and the producti- production uh, side of that match. That was this this match was Darby Allen's baby, and I thought he did a really great job. Uh, that ending spot between with the coffin drop between him and Brian Cage. Oh yeah, Jesus huge God, fantastic. I mean, it was uh, it, it was a Chekhov's window situation, right? Of course, uh, it like was. you knew as soon as you saw him look at that, you're like, okay, well he's gonna coffin drop out of this thing. Can't wait. Yeah, and you know what? Right. <laughs> you were right. Because it was awesome. There you go. Now, of course, you know. Sting looked really good. Now, Taz himself was not there, but, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook were there. I love Powerhouse Hobbs just being, like, the one absolutely ginormous black man in this group of white guys. And he's wearing a mask as though to hide his identity. (laughs) I thought that was a really nice bit. And also, the orange mask was a cool-ass look. He looked fucking really cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, this was a fun match. Um, I mean, it, it's not going to win, like, you know, rest match of the year or anything. No, but, but it's not it, supposed it was, to. It was fun. I mean. Yeah, uh, Double-Edged Sword, and we'll we'll get to that, about doing this the way that they did it. I, I really enjoyed the match itself. I'll nitpick one thing. I prefer these type of matches without commentary. Ah, <sighs> You know, it, it is a double-edged sword there. Yeah, what say you? I think it works better for me without commentary, those types of things. I get why they're doing it, but I think it's kind of like a half in, half out, you know? Um, I feel like just let the match tell its own story. Let them speak more during the match to fill in some of those gaps. Use music cues. Use, you know, ambient sounds. There's a lot you could do there without having to do commentary. Because I think the commentary makes it sound like it almost takes me out of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but remember that they did the cinematic match uh, between uh, Britt Baker and Big Swole on a pay-per-view? Yes. That did not have commentary, if I that recall correctly. did have commentary, so that oh, was we... the first time they did I've That was my first like cinematic match with commentary in recent memory. Okay, uh, they did have commentary. All right. Yeah, and I, I, thought even, I thought it was a strange choice then, too. Okay, fair enough. So I, yeah, I, that I, I see your point. Best. I mean, I don't I don't think the commentary was bad or anything. I would just rather go without altogether. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, the uh, with, with regard to these cinematic matches, you know, I, I, I've also, you know, had a lot of experience with like, you know, the, the outdoor amusement park uh, or forest matches in DDT, which, you know, are just, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> super fun. Yeah. Yeah. That you, shit rocks. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Hell yeah, I do. I yeah, love like, that. Yeah, like you know, uh, Cody Ibushi doing a uh, doing doing a moonsault into like a into like a creek or something. You yeah, know? if you if you want to entertain me, just do your wrestling match in somewhere other than a wrestling ring. Like I I, I always respect a, a ring or a match that doesn't take place in a ring. And yet WCW made a whole video game about that, and it was trash. Well, you know. The, the the medium has different uh, uh, forms and factors. 
I don't wait. Which game was that again? Mayhem. 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 It was. Yeah, that is the one. Okay. Yeah. It was like, but, it, it, I was, mean, it was towards the end of WCW. Yeah. And interestingly enough, like world tour and revenge had outside the ring, like stuff that you could do in like backstage brawl options that were super fun as like an element of it. Right. Also it, W was a WWF attitude that had a bunch of that too. I think maybe that one was bad. That was like, the, uh, it was a bad game, but I played it a lot. Yeah. I played attitude a lot too. And then they, and then they got the Aki engine yeah. and then not yeah. a good game and extremely buggy, but also like, you know, holds a place in my heart. Yeah. And the stunner didn't look good either. No. If, you, if you played stone cold, it, it just, yes. it was, yeah, the stunner was not good. Uh, I will say this though, you know, the, the legacy of WCW mayhem of course was that, uh, by the time they wanted to do a sequel to it, WCW was extinct. So that game became Def Jam Vendetta and Def Jam Vendetta rules. So, yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking about that. Or I was thinking about fight for New York uh, on the way back home today because I was listening to Kryptonite, which is uh, uh, the title track for, I think, fight for New York. Right. Uh, shout out to Chris Damaseno and his other other podcast uh, soundtracks on the sticks, because I think they did an episode of the music of Def Jam Vendetta. It's an iconic soundtrack. How could you not? Right. Exactly. So great stuff. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have some opinions about this next match. Uh, Are the, we? I don't the, know. I, don't, I think this one was pretty simple, actually. The main event of the evening. Kenny Omega. Executive Vice President Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Title, uh, an exploding barbed wire death match. Now, let, which let, we were very excited about. It sounds like we weren't excited, but remember, remember this podcast a week ago. Remember Ancient History a week ago when we were like super excited about this. Yeah, um, I will say this: John Moxley's jacket, absolutely fucking Great. pristine, so good. So good. Pristine. He fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. He, really he awesome. Fucking great. Um, they, they also did... respect to Kenny Omega wearing jeans, but then having his regular wrestling gear, like airbrush, brushed ass knee pads over the jeans. I'd like that. Look right. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was right. any more, any more, a cutoff t-shirt, you know, very, very Onita like to, to the, the t-shirt. That was the, uh, the commemorative for this very match. In, indeed. Um, now I, I will say this. I really liked the match. The match as did I. What was fine. Now the the explosive charges were not as sparky as I would have liked and it was more like the original exploding barbed wire death match between Atsushi Onita and Tarzan Goto as opposed to say like Onita versus Funk or uh you know Onita versus Chono in the Tokyo Dome. Yes, you know. definitely not like Onita versus Chono. Yeah, which has, of course, the greatest entrance of sequence of all fucking time. Stuff. Um, but, but both Onita yeah, and so the, Chono's entrances in that match are... Mm, 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 mm. And, and this... Yeah, this match was really well executed from like the wrestling standpoint. The weapon spots were good. The Moxley wrapping the barbed wire around his arm thing I love. Uh, that, that, this is kind of a thing he found. The exploding baseball bat was a really great the spot. Black, that was, yeah, I, I was surprised. I the best looking thing, like the best looking stunt of the whole match, right? I was surprised that they did the blast bat. That was awesome. And it looked great, too. That was really well. I think, and that's like a spot that was probably lost in the sauce here because we're going to talk about the finish and what everyone has been talking about for right. the last now 
before we transition into that, I will say this. They did a spot where Moxley does a Death Rider onto one of the the the, the Triple Hell landmine areas. Yes. And, yeah, that, that explosion. That was a dud as well. That was a dud. I mean, it, it, it did go off, but it was like... Yeah, so the uh, rope ones left this. a little bit to be desired, but they were very forgivable, right? Because you can only do so much with the rope ones, and I think a lot of people get it, right? So you, that, that's happening, and you're like, okay, I mean, it's fun, cool, whatever. It's not, It doesn't make a huge difference in the match. It's just for fun anyway. But when people, I think, expected the really big one when they hit the triple hell, like, okay, well, this is where it's going to pay off. We're going to get that boom here because now they can do it. They have, like, the space. They have the, uh, the the tools in place to do this thing. So let's have it happen. And when that one fell flat, that was a really bad omen. And I think a lot of people were probably like, oh, oh. Yeah, this might- well, again, I, I think – I think this is going to – and I knew when I saw that they had – Kept the kept it in Daly's place as opposed to going out to the football field. I kind of had a there was a little prick in the back of my neck saying, "Oh shit!" You know? And this and this Jeff, I can call back to the prior match is a double edged sword of presentation and how they chose to present these matches because this match would have been done better as a cinematic match, right? A hundred percent when you can use like post-production, you can use editing. You could have put it on the football field and not have to worry about the crowd, but they couldn't make this a cinematic match because they already had one on the card. So it could only be one or the other, right? I think this match would have benefited tremendously from getting the cinematic treatment. I don't think that was ever, they probably never entertainment, but I think they should have. Now, okay, hold on a minute though. The stadium stampede match, um, I forget which... Maybe that was at the, that was at double or nothing. Was that a pre-tape? Maybe okay. had, that one had commentary as well. It did. So yeah, I don't know. I think that one had. I think that one was pre-tape because they had some edits. I think right. Did they? I mean, I know that there was multiple camera changes, but I don't know if that was an actual pre-tape. Was that the one where Matt Hardy busted his head? No. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. the one where Matt Hardy busted his head, that was at All Out. All Out, yeah. That was at All Out when he busted his head. Right, yeah. Um, But the, uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 yeah, they kind of set themselves up for failure here. And and I think so, too. did they? I I honestly think by not moving it, the match, to the actual football field, because a lot of the the most well-regarded of these matches took place you know, in outdoor arenas, i.e. Kawasaki Stadium, Jingu Stadium, or yeah. in the Tokyo Dome where there really is enough room where you can separ- reasonably separate the crowd and the... Uh, right. And, and, and I, and and I understand that because they don't want to have the crowd watching a screen on back-to-back matches on the pay-per-view that they paid for. I mean, and if you're in the live crowd there, you wouldn't accept that. You know what I mean? Well, they could have. So, you know what? They, you know what? Actually, you know what? They could have run the whole event in the football field. Now, that's something that that would have been worth entertaining, I think. Yeah. Because there is a giant screen at at at, at yeah. the field. I guess I'm I, I'm just assuming that might be just a dollars and cents thing. Who knows? I mean, it might be, but you know what? That would have. And, and hey, you know, by it's the just way, like that could, your dad, right? Like just, I, you're, you're Tony. You're Tony Khan. Just call your dad. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, so, dad, can I use the football field? So, blast bat aside, uh, the good brothers, of course, have to contribute to a fuck finish because, you know, Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world. Therefore, we're going to fuck finish all of his matches now. 
You're um, working yourself again. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I, I'm just going by what I'm told. That's, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the point. That's the character. Um, and then you know, Kenny Omega does retain with a a, a triple team one wing angel onto a chair. Uh, he he does remain the um, the AEW World Champion. Uh, the time bombs are still set to go off regardless. Uh, they continue to beat down John Moxley, including handcuffing him. Um, yep. This, so now John Moxley can't escape this gigantic explosion. Th- th- this brings out Eddie Kingston to you know to do another you know aspect of Onita by covering you know his opponent or friend in, in this case. And but what's cool, really cool about that spot is it wasn't just the Onita homage. It really truly fit in and made sense with the story that they've been telling over a number of months. So this was, I mean, as far as like storytelling wise and, and booking wise, this was incredible and the emotions and everything right up into that last second, I was edge of my seat like, oh my God, yes, this rules. Eddie, he's back. They're friends. Dudes rock. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then that happened. I, I'll, I'm going to try to recreate audibly like what I sounded like when all this happened. I was like, oh shit. Oh, Eddie, yes. Oh, my God. Dude's rock. Oh, this is so good. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh. Uh, my, 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 my immediate reaction was to, was to DM uh, Bahu FMW <laughs> just with lol. <laughs> lol. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so the, the explosion, obviously, these are freezing cold takes. You've been talking about this, listening to people talk about it all week. But, you know, we're a little behind. Here we are for our freezing cold edition of This Sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't need us to tell you that. It sucked. It yeah, was bad. It, it, it sucked. It was bad. Um, I am glad that AEW is not just sweeping it under the carpet and trying to ignore it. Yeah. Because, you know, it, the, it, the way that WWE would have, perhaps. But... Yeah, no, I, I, we're, we'll, 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 we'll get into this on Dynamite. But, yeah, this was uh, this was bad. And that's how it ended the pay-per-view, and it was a huge down note. It was the topic of a lot of discussion the last week. I do think a lot of folks overreacted, but it wasn't good. I mean, the, the match itself, leading I, up to it, was good, though. The, so the, the match that. itself was great, and I would yeah. recommend seeing it. The ending explosion you know, was supposed to happen with the explosion. It's, it it well, sucked. No, it sucked. It, it did suck, but either way, it's going to be an iconic moment in AEW history. It's going to live with them forever. Yeah, they're sure, never going to live is. it down. And I, I, even if they're even if they overtake WWE and become the biggest wrestling company in the world, this will still get shown on clip shows every couple of years. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Fred Ottman should feel uh, relieved now. He's, Fred he's Ottman a, should feel a little bit better. He, he's uh, off the hook. Gotta, he was shocked. Uh, I have it on good uh, good authority that he was indeed shocked. But he's no longer the master. That yeah. would be Don Callis. Don Callis is the new shock master. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we'll get into that here shortly. So that's going to be like a, it's going to be like the Santa Claus. Like every week, he's going to like look a little bit more like the Shockmaster until like double <laughs> or nothing. He's just going to have the shiny helmet on. The uh, the the Don the, 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 the glitter spray painted stormtrooper helmet. You want a piece of me? <laughs> get Ole, yeah, get Ole Anderson to to overdub his voice. Is I, he even still alive? Him, Is Ole Anderson told... even still alive? That's a great question. I have no idea if he is. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, If he is, I feel like he's probably real old. Yeah, probably. 
I mean, I mean, Arn, oh, I, mean Arn, I mean, Arn Anderson always looked old. So, I mean, that kind of, you know. Ole Anderson is still around. He is 78 years young. My God, 78. Wow. Yeah. Shout out Ole Anderson. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of the, the the show was pretty good up to then. I really overall had had positive feelings about the card. Yeah, did that end on a really bad note? Yeah, it sure did. That I thought, yeah, the, the show had ups and downs. I thought it was overall pretty strong. I didn't, you know, outright dislike any of the matches. There were just moments here and there that didn't do it for me. Again, I think probably too much pepperoni pizza, man. I think uh, you got a lot of what we expected to get. And it was good, but, uh, you know, nothing that really lit me up. Like, it really popped me and said, oh, well, this is an you know, incredible, iconic pay-per-view moment. Yeah, I mean, there could have been, you know, something else. Besides on, on, that. On, yeah, there could have been something else on the buffet besides pepperoni yeah, yeah. pizza. To, yeah, to... We, could have, we could have used a little more uh, a little more sides. Maybe we could have used some more veggies. Uh, you know, maybe some mac and cheese. Yeah, there, well, I don't know. Mac and cheese with pizza? I mean, go to CC's. You can get a mac and cheese pizza. Oh, Jesus, you know, I, I, you know, that is one thing that I do not see in Chicago. Now that I'm back from Indy, is that I do not see any CC's pizza. In... Uh, <laughs> they used to yeah. be all over Indy. No, you can actually eat real pizza now, and by real <laughs> pizza, I mean New York style pizza. Hey, now, I mean, <laughs> we, 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 I actually do have a place that serves really good New York style pizza. Oh yeah, I mean, Dude, Gar- Garibald- right by- Garibaldi's in Garibaldi's in- good. You're right by Boiler Room too. Boiler Room's awesome. I haven't been to Boiler Room. Oh, you got to get Boiler Room. It's cash only, and it's delicious. Where is and, that? Uh, uh, that is uh, right by the California Blue Line stop, like right underneath it, basically. Oh, uh, so it's wait, on wait. California and Milwaukee. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm on – wait a minute. The California Blue Line – yeah, that's right by work. I have never seen the Boiler yeah, Room. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's right underneath the stop, dude. It's great stuff. Sure. They get a. They have a great special there. It's called the PB&J. It's a uh, slice of pizza – a uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon and a shot of Jameson. Okay, and it's on. like one price. It used to only be like six or seven bucks, but obviously, very gentrified Logan Square. It's gone up. All right, hang on a second. I have to look at. Uh, all right, because now you you've got me intrigued here. Because we I love pass, talking. They have a slice because there. I pass by the, this every fucking day. Oh, it's oh wonderful. My, uh, okay, you got to go there, okay. and you got to you got to get the purest. It's just, oh okay. All right. Yep, I see it. Okay, you know yeah. what? You're right. I do pass this every fucking day. You got it. That whole area is full of good stuff right there. Logan Bar is real nice. Yeah, folks. Um, beautiful Logan Square, Chicago, Illinois. We uh, love it. Yeah, that uh yeah, the uh the, the that little diner that's there too. Yeah, there's a bunch of oh, uh, there. Uh, uh uh why am I blanking out? It's a chain. Uh but yeah, it's good. Yeah. Now mind you, um I have not seen there used to be a tamale guy outside of the station and I have not seen him. Tamale. Oh man, shout out to that tamale guy. Hopefully but, he's still yeah. on. Yeah. I well, I mean, well there's so there were like two others and like if you go down California, like the one I prefer is actually on um on North Avenue in front of Cermak Produce. Okay. And the reason and that's like right across the street from where I work and the reason why is because their tamales like some of the other, like the other two tamale guys on on that I see on California Avenue um, their tamales are like mostly masa with like a thin strand of of the the mm. meat filling. No, um, you gotta fill them bitches up. Oh yeah, th- this one has mostly filling and like very thin yeah. masa. It's really Let's good. Let's go. 
Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. we're getting in some deep local Chicago <laughs> chat here. But, folks, if you are situated on the north side of Chicago, Logan Square, tons to offer. We love it. Yeah. Well, Logan also Square home slight... to Logan Square Auditorium, home of freelance wrestling and some AAW and uh, sometimes Kaiju Big Battle and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the I'll, best I'll... places to watch wrestling, independent wrestling in the country. I truly think that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love that arena. Um, I will say this. Uh, Humboldt Park is right you know, just south of Logan Square. And, yeah, check that shit out, too. Humboldt Park's cool, yeah. Humboldt Park's getting cooler, too. Well, I mean, that's where I work, is Humboldt Park, so, yeah. yeah. Humboldt Park. I pretty much gave away where I work, too. But... Yeah, you, you, <laughs> now that you've docked yourself on the podcast, let's keep going. <laughs> Did you watch the AEW Dark before this week? Some of it, don't remember it. Um, we're going to start talking about Dark a lot more uh, coming soon, so let's keep moving. Okay, uh... So now we go live to Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for episode 70 of AEW Dynamite. Your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. Our first match of the evening, Ray Phoenix contra Executive Vice President Matt Jackson. Uh, J- JR was not great on this match at all. No, JR was not. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to the commentary. I was just watching good wrestling, and this was some good-ass wrestling. Phoenix and Matt uh, work very well together. They have a lot of good chemistry. Uh, Bucks and uh, Lucha Bros matches have always delivered, and these two guys in particular really know each other well. Uh, that being said, uh, I just you know I, I, I'm I'm still going to put the boots to Jim Ross because how do you forget Lucha Brothers? I don't know, man. He's, he's having a rough week. What are you going to do? Yeah, he, Jim. He, we know that Jim's lost a step, so like I don't really want to hammer on like, oh, well, he's doing like the, these Jim Ross lost a step stuff because yeah, we we kind of know like you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, it's still probably time for the guy to hang it up, even despite the times he is good. I think the commentary team overall would be better served with new blood there, but we have Jim. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Tony Schiavone is still tip top. I mean, he, he... Oh no, no. Tony can stay. When I, when I say new blood, I mean specifically replace Jim Ross. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the match was great though. I, I, I did really enjoy this, this match yeah, and really I, I did actually enjoy the way that both Nick Jackson and Pac, uh, got involved with it too. Yes. Yeah. No, the, the storytelling was all really good. Pac and Phoenix are just really fun partners, man. This is, this is great. This is really good and interesting. And it's not again, Something that AEW has done well for us, and that's subvert our expectations when it comes to like what to do with some of these groups and these factions. I think maybe a little bit more on that. Oh this yeah, podcast. yeah. There's gonna be probably a little a... bit more involving factions and groups. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is you know taking the Lucha Brothers pairing and throwing one of them in a tag team with Pack. I think is a cool idea. And then letting uh, Pentagon get a few singles matches in during this run. I like this a lot. Yeah, l- l- yeah. We'll we'll get into that here shortly. Um. After that, we get a, a pre-tape promo at a bar, we assume, between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And uh, without going into too much details of the promo, they somehow managed to mostly salvage the explosion botch. They, I mean, they did some really heavy lifting, especially Eddie Kingston, and pulled it off. Uh, it was not easy to accomplish, and I think if it were any two other guys that were involved in the storyline, I don't know that how this works. But Eddie Kingston took not only his character, but his own personality and his heart on his sleeve, and just really parlayed it into uh, uh, a way to to save face for what happened on Saturday. It was really impressive, and it just speaks to how good the guy is. Well, one of the best things about it was Mox just you know throwing 
Kenny Omega and Don Callis under the bus. Oh well, it, oh Impact built it. Well, there you go. That was good. Yeah, no, it was wow. the, the ban- and Yeah, no, Mox and Kingston. The banter was great uh, between them. Like Mox came in at the right time. They kind of had this the great transitions. It was a really nice like two man promo. But yeah, Eddie was the star of it. It was up to Eddie to try to explain this thing away. Now they should have left it right there. They should not have revisited it in this show after that. Let's put a Maybe pin in that. not, but yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, yeah, AEW still deserved the shooing that they got. Oh, yeah. you got to roast them. Yeah, you got to roast them. We you got to roast them. We, we roasted them. I, mean, I will yeah. continue to roast them. That shit was funny, and we're going to keep making fun of them for it probably forever. Yes, but did they mostly, did John Moxley and Eddie Kingston mostly salvage it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, story like you know, strictly within the the storyline, fine. Yeah, it, it, it's just fine, and uh, yeah, set some stuff up down the road here. But we then go on to our second match of the evening: Cody Rhodes versus Seth Gargas. Who I have absolutely Seth no Gargis. fucking idea. Who Seth Gargas, say it, say it with me. Seth Gargas. Okay, Ooh. Seth. Seth Gargas. It goes okay. down so smooth. Okay. Uh, this is a complete squash. Seth Gargas. Uh, afterwards, Tony Schiavone tries to interview both Cody and Arn Anderson, and they get interrupted by one Penta El Seth Cero Gargis? Miedo. Oh, no. Pentagon. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit different level there between Seth Gargas and Penta El Cero Miedo. Boy, Gargas the, El Cero Miedo. Boy, the, the drip on Penta today uh i've talked about business luchador being one of the best looks on earth and uh once again proven right oh my goodness penta and, and cody uh are, are gonna feud here and you saw you oh saw a man just oozing with charisma just absolutely flowing and exploding with gigantic star power the likes of a thousand suns and also pentagon was there that's right alex abrahantes baby <laughs> who is that <laughs> That was Alex Abrahantes, was the uh, the translator slash oh. he's, he's the AW reporter. Oh, okay, but uh, yeah, and Penta. Oh, mm. they also yeah. Here's another AEW double thing. They have two uh, backstage reporters named Alex. Oh, that's true. Yeah, now that you yeah. mention it, yeah. Ah, uh, this segment was great. Hot fire doing it with like, like, and Alex did a great job selling it as a translator. Like he, instead of doing it straight, he did stuff with emphasis. He had a little fun with it and uh, the crowd was eating it up. Holy shit. This was the hottest the crowd was for the whole show, right? Uh, Pretty much. I think they Um, were really into it. Yeah. yeah. People love Pentagon, man. He's fucking awesome. I mean, why are they not, you know, we we, are, this is it. Yeah. now, Now, finally about, you know, 20 months into the TV show, they're finally giving Penta the, the push. That Which is fine. No, this is fine, though. Like, you, you, there's only so many people that can be in a main event, right? You, you have to move things around ebbs and flows. It's wrestling. We always knew Pentagon was going to get his turn. This looks like the start of it and probably a piece, at least a piece of why Phoenix and Pac are a tag team right now. And uh, good. Let's hope 2021 is the year of Pentagon singles run. I would love that. By the way, uh, we forgot to mention during our talk on Revolution uh, that Pentagon's outfit in that ladder match was oh was... dripping. That new T-shirt's really good. I think Luther oh, Republic selling the, it. It's yeah, fantastic. the the, the T-shirt. I have to get that. I have yeah, it's to get the, the Loteria T-shirt. I don't know if they're selling it online or just in store right now. But uh, have, have, it you, is have you have you looked have you looked at that shirt? 
Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's cool did, as hell. Did you notice one of the the Loteria cards was a tribute to uh, Pero Aguayo Jr.? Oh no, I didn't pay close enough attention to it, probably, but yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that was really good because you know uh, Penta remembers his roots as a member of Pedro's del Mal, so you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was... I, I I totally need that shirt. For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. Uh, afterwards, we all get brought back down because Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassie are asking for one more match against Miro and Kip Sabian. Why, God, why? <laughs> Yeah, uh, mm, I don't know. Mm, We're gonna. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. Okay, anyways, let's keep going. Uh, we get an interview with Steve Stinger that, you know, we we now have a formula for Steve Stinger interviews. He comes out, he tries to say something to Tony, and then somebody interrupts him. And yeah, that seems to be pretty frequent. People are trying to steal Sting's shine. This time, it's an old nemesis of Sting. In it is Jake Roberts, but since Jake Roberts can't wrestle anymore, Lance Archer is going to do his dirty work for him. The, and this this is why it worked, right? Another another benefit of having Jake Roberts at Lance Archer's side is you can do this, and it's a very interesting uh, next feud for Sting. Yeah, in my so, opinion. yeah. So it's like we're back to Jake Roberts being the impetus for. Uh, actually, let me let me rephrase it. We're back to Lance Archer being the impetus through which Jake Roberts can address his grievances from WCW. Sounds good to me. I mean, that's how it was. I'm into it. You know, I actually think that rules. So yeah, cool. He, he used it against <laughs> against against Dusty Rhodes via you know the feud with Cody and Lance Archer, and now Jake Roberts is gonna take a, take out his frustrations about Sting by using Lance Archer. It worked then. It's gonna work this time too. So. What's next? Um, did he have any problems with the giant? Has he had any Paul White issues in the past? Uh, uh, I don't think he was in. W- has he ever had any problems with DDP? Uh, who else do we got? Who else? How about Glacier? Has he ever had anything going on with Glacier? <laughs> I'm a snake and I'm cold blooded, so I don't like you because you're made of ice. <laughs> Come near you and then I freeze. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who else could he uh, take his shit out of. Uh, we're going to find out. We're going to oh, find wait a out. There's Arn and Tully are right there. Arn and Tully. What the shit? Yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. Jake Roberts can feud with, uh, well, <clears throat> anyway, uh, we then get a, a backstage promo with QT Marshall and big shoddy Lee Johnson, um, big Johnson. where, where QT Marshall is, uh, you know, saying that he, he, he was, emo- he, he let his emotions get the better of him in the tag team battle Royale and he's going to make it up. Now here is where AEW gets a bit of a shooing again, although it actually was not their fault because. Oh, we're going to talk about the audio. Yeah. We are going to talk about the audio because this was TNT's fault, but it's such a bad look. Like knowing how many eyes are on you critically after what happened at revolution to have like a technical failure again. Right, but it's just I, so unfortunate. It, it is, but again, it it legitimately was not AEW's fault. No, it wasn't. But it, it, it was the network's fault. It, but, What's unfortunate is that it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it it could be not their fault, but it just to some people that's not gonna matter. I don't think it's gonna make a big deal, but again, cause probably a little more overreaction from the casual fan or the WWEite who like wants AEW to fail or whatever. You know those type of people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was funny. Uh, unfortunately. Biggest victim of all here was Ethan Page. 
yeah, Hunter Page and Lee Johnson, who are both really bright young younger side wrestlers. He's Page is in his early thirties, but uh, he's got a lot of career ahead of him, and I think they're going to feature him quite a bit. It looks like he's going to be a thing. He's he's signed. He is all elite. He got the graphic and everything. Is, so, is, is, uh, is this Ethan a, a Page's tough welcoming party for Ethan Page? Is singles run? We didn't really talk about him in the ladder match, but uh, he was also there and had a good showing. Is, is this Ethan Page's last chance? Man, no. He's an indie guy. There's no last chances for guys who can be successful independently. Uh, even if this doesn't pan out, he's right back to the indies and he's a mainstay. Uh, he can, you know, when crowds come back, he can fill out an arena in Chicago or in Minneapolis, anywhere in the Midwest, East Coast, uh, even in the South, he'll be just fine. Um, regardless, so the, the 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 audio issues in question were some sort of audio from an NBA game. Yeah, like somehow and TNT sound from a basketball game was crisscross applesauced with the AEW Dynamite feed. So, it, it, to Tony Khan's credit, he threw Ethan Page versus Lee Johnson up on YouTube, you know, uh, un, unadulterated. Dread but... it. See, there's a men's match on YouTube. <laughs> uh, also, the QT Marshall heel turn, I guess, continues for some reason. Some sort of slow burn there. We'll see. It's interesting how he's tied into the Nightmare family, and we'll see if that, you know, it, it gets expanded upon. But for now, whatever, don't care. We then go backstage, and Adam Page has a lawnmower, as a riding yeah, lawnmower. Um, yeah, so, he, with, so with the money, he has he, a lawnmower and friends, two of the greatest things that you can have. And, and he gave most of Matt Hardy's money away to a Greater Jacksonville pub, public education fund. So, yeah, suck it, Matt Hardy. The kids are getting educated. That's right. So they can't be uh, uh, taken advantage of by chicken hawks like you. Uh. Edit Page somehow just became the top baby face in this company. He's just delightful. I think, well, I don't think somehow. I think, you know, an, an open shirt while you're on a lawnmower with all your friends is probably how. Well, most of your friends. I think be- maybe not doing your buttons on your shirt when you go on TV is probably how. I mean, Magnum TA made that work. I mean, that, I'm, when you look like Magnum TA or Adam Page. When you look like Hangman Adam Page, you never button your shirt. I would literally, I wouldn't even, I would take all the buttons off of my shirts just to not have be tempted. I would remove all of the buttons. Now, mind you, uh, number five uh, kind of got left behind uh, from the, the lawnmower. But it's cool. He was like, it's cool, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. So no hard feelings. Eh, well. <laughs> Wait, requirements. Eh, eh, I, 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 His name is Alan Angels. He can, re- he can like, fly. It'll be fine. I, I, I'm sure this won't come back uh, at, at all. Um, we then go back to the ring where Tony Schiavone introduces Christian Cage, but we get instead Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, and Doc Gallows. Yes, and this is where when I said that this should not have been revisited, this is what I'm talking about. I don't think they should have had Kenny and Don speak about the about the thing at all. Well, right. But of course they were going to because they're going to say, hey, this wasn't us that did this. <laughs> yeah, but all all they did was make it boring. That's literally was it. Don Callis and I've said a lot of positive things about Don Callis promos on this podcast. Almost all of them I think I have praised. This one did not land for me in literally any way. I thought it was dull and I thought it was useless and I thought it hindered the storyline more than helped it. Well, I think, unfortunately, we're going to see this more often than not coming up, especially since uh, depending on the results tonight of uh, at at Sacrifice, at Impact Sacrifice event, 
Coming up will be Kenny Omega as AEW World Champion versus whomever the unified TNA Impact World Champion is going to be at the end of Sacrifice tonight. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to happen in April, I think. No, but here's the thing. That's fine. I'm not I'm not dissing Don Callis as a whole or what their thing is as a whole. I think specifically as it relates to this storyline and the tightrope that you're already walking on to keep this thing afloat after the disaster at Revolution, that less would have been more. And I think it was – this was – it felt very uh, self-indulgent on the part of Kenny Omega and Don Callis and not in a good way or in like wow. a heel just wait, 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 in a I'm annoyed way. Wait, 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 wait. Kenny Omega, self-indulgent? But not even in like the, the kind of fun, cheeky character way. It was just annoying. Yeah, but I mean, again, the, the character that worked in 2015 New Japan may not necessarily work in – 2021 AEW. No, and it will, it absolutely would not. And I don't want it. I don't want the same character that I, I don't want another retread. I want you to evolve. And this just felt like when the Kenny stuff is at its worst, this is what it's like. And this is what it was to me. I thought this sucked. Uh, we do get Eddie Kingston out. And of course, you know, Eddie is being taunted you know, relentlessly by Kenny Omega. And once this, once Eddie started talking and things got physical, this became like an acceptable segment. Yeah. But everything and, before that I thought was lame as shit. Oh no, you're, you're absolutely right. It was lame as shit. And, uh, no, no, I mean, once it went, yeah, once Kingston came out and people started fighting each other and stuff and, and Kingston had a few words like that was all fine. Uh, Moxley of course comes out for the rescue of his, of his, uh, reunited friend. So dudes we, rock. And then, uh, Christian cage. Comes out, doesn't really do much, but, you know, dodges dodges a a, a lariat from Kenny Omega, tries to do, what what move was that? Look like a vertebraker or something? Something like that, yeah. And, uh, you know, Don Callis pulls Kenny from the ring, but uh, Christian Cage lifts the AEW title, which means probably Christian Cage is going to leapfrog Eddie Kingston for this next AEW title shot. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, I think I think Eddie I think Eddie Kingston is owed a title shot after that. I but I think the longer you keep him back from it, the longer you can have him seethe about it, and you can make the story even stronger. I think if you're going to hold anyone back from getting a title shot, Eddie Kingston's the guy to hold it back from for a little bit, not for long, but you can hold it until double or nothing or after, and uh, you're going to end up getting a really good match and a really good blow off, especially if you have him get get the line jumped once. Because imagine the promos Eddie Kingston can cut if he gets jumped in line. Okay, so. I mean, I, I don't mind Christian Cage getting a, a a shot on Dynamite, but yes, I think that they do need to give Eddie Kingston versus Kenny Omega a My guess spot. is that's the plan. My guess would be Cage gets a Dynamite title shot. That's what I think is going to be his first thing here. Okay. All and right. he'll, have, he'll have a good showing, and then he'll get back down to like the uh, upper middle part of the card and uh, put on some good matches with younger dudes. We're going to start seeing Christian Cage have matches with guys like Top Flight Dudes, or like Max Caster uh, and guys like that. Um, I am uh, get, hearing a lot of praise for the fact that uh, Christian's uh, his music is basically a remix of his TNA theme. Yeah, I I never really got into TNA. I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I didn't really notice it, but well, I heard same. folks talking about it, and that seems kind of cool. Yeah. So our fourth match of the evening uh, was, of course, the best one of the night. Um, in which Hikaru Shida, Ryo Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa take on the team of Britt Baker, Nala Rose, and Maki Ito. Maki Ito! Maki Ito is the biggest star of this match. During her introductions, 
she kept singing even when the baby faces attacked Britain Nyla. She just kept going. Just delightful, yeah. Like, so the like, music like, cuts and she acapellas about half of her musical instruments and it was lovely. Oh my god. It, even without music, even because they, they cut the music and she's still singing and oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was so fun. I, I would hate for her to leave DDT, but I, I want her on more AEW programming, which apparently we are going to get. It's what it looks like. It looks like she's going to be around for at least a little while, and thank goodness. Uh, Thunder Rosa gets the pin on said Maki Ito being the... Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess neither of them are under AEW contract right now. Uh, this is a this is a fun, fun match. Super fun match, absolutely. Um, afterwards, Brit and Rebel attack uh, Thunder Rosa, so that feud continues. Um. Yeah, let's uh, let's you know what let let's uh, halfway transition into what you were talking about because it can it transpires that uh, what the main event of Dark Elevation is going to be, and then you could tell. Why don't you tell us about what you got coming up? Perfect. So yeah, this is a good opportunity. So boom goes the dynamite is expanding a little bit. I talked about this last week. Uh, I was hoping Whoa. to have an episode out. But after announcing the premiere date for Dark and Dark Elevation being next uh, Monday and Tuesday or this coming Monday and Tuesday at the time of this recording, um, I decided to hold off until both shows premiered. We are going to launch another podcast series on this very feed. Um, I think I'm going to call it Elevating into Darkness. That's my working title right now. Now, wait a minute. On the PWOM feed or our feed? Both, I guess, if you'll have me. I don't know. I'll put it on Uh, ours for sure. Well, I got, yeah, we'll put it on ours. We'll, we'll yeah. just say we'll put it on ours. We're going to have to come up with what the link for our other feed is so we can get yeah, yeah. that. But if, if you're listening on SoundCloud on PWOM, uh, make sure you check out our feeds on uh, the Boom Goes the Dynamite podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Basically, anywhere you can get a podcast, there is a Boom Goes the Dynamite feed if you want to check that out, if you're specifically listening th- uh, uh, from the PWOM feed. But we're going to have that. Um, it's going to be sometimes me solo. Sometimes I'm going to have guests. Sometimes Jeff will be there. But we're going to do like a lightning round recap of Dark Elevation and Dark. Um, I'm going to put it out Tuesday nights. And what I kind of see it as is like just a quick hit companion piece if you're watching both those shows. And if you're not watching those shows, it's enough to get you up to speed. So on Wednesday night, if they bring up anything that happened, you'll have a kind of an idea, a better idea of what's going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of content they're putting out. I'm very intrigued to see how Dark Elevation ties in with Dark, how these brands and these different endeavors kind of uh, compare and contrast, and uh, Paul White on commentary. Very interesting, too. So we're going to follow all those narratives and storylines. We're going to check out all that stuff, and we're going to podcast about it. So Tuesday nights on the Boom Goes the Dynamite feed, look out for that. Um, our first main event uh, for Dark Elevation uh, indeed was announced, Jeff. So you want to tell them about that? Oh, why don't, why don't you go ahead? Since, uh, you, why don't you, I tell them that? It was, come on, uh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it's Riho and Maki Ito there. Duh. Yeah. Riho and uh, Maki so, Ito. Uh, Riho and Maki Ito, two um, my absolute favorites uh, in AEW now that Maki Ito is here. Uh, and I've been a big fan of Riho since her first run in AEW. Uh, 
they're going to be doing the main event. We also have a women's main event on next week's Dynamite. So we talked about the momentum of the women's division coming off of Saturday and some of the positive things they did, uh, uh, specifically around the Shida-Mizunami match. This is that momentum, right? And this is a nice way to carry that forward. We're on the right track. Does it keep up is the question. And for how long? Uh, Yeah, that that is a good question. But and I, I, yeah, I'm next cautious, week... again... I remain cautiously optimistic as to the short and long-term future of the women's division. The talent is absolutely there. Yeah, and yeah, next week's Dynamite will have a lights-out match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, and uh, hopefully... Very fun, I'm into that. I I hope they stick the landing, I really do, because... Uh, Britt, we can talk about Britt Baker's improvement. We talked about it before, but she just gets better and better, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I know that. I just hope that AEW allows them to stick the landing on this. Uh, you know, these are the kind of matches that they've been pretty good at uh, thus far. So, you know, you give them at least 15 to 17 minutes. I would like to see it go 20 or longer probably. But if you give it even a good 15 to 17, I bet you it's going to bang. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we, we will see, you know, next Wednesday how that goes. Backstage, we go to Matt Hardy and Private Party trying to come up with a new income stream. So instead they, they hire the butcher and the blade and the bunny and the bunny to go destroy the dark order. So we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of little faction here. It looks like Uh, we've got a lot of alignments. This is, there's like, uh, that's, that's two. Well, that's, that's one unit broken up. And so far that's one unit. So RIP. Well, first let's pour one out for Kingston goon. All right. Kingston goon is done. All right. It's okay. But it's okay because now we have Kingston and Moxley as sort of a kind of sort of a unit. Yep, they're 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 just hanging out. They're palling around. They're palling around, and uh, yeah, pri- yeah, Matt Hardy, Private Party, I guess the Hybrid too, if they're still on the payroll, and Butcher, Blade, and Bunny now. Yes, so this is a guy, they got a little crew together, and uh, you know maybe this is foreshadowing of more things that AEW wants to set up narratively. Let's find out, and as we keep moving forward. Um. Our fifth and final match of the evening, which is not the end of the show, but it's our no. final match of the evening. Uh, Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. Um, unfortunately, my YouTube TV dropped on me for a little bit, so I missed part of this match. Ah, damn. You know, it was, I mean, it was, I thought the match was what I expected it to be. It was super fun. Uh, this is made to, again, raise Scorpio Sky's profile. Uh, as they continue to push him a little bit as a singles wrestler. Uh, I thought it was a really great match. I thought it was really fun. All WL matches are fun. But the match wasn't really about the match, Jeff. The match was about the ending. Yes, the ending in which Scorpio Sky kind of um, gets a little upset with losing to Darby Allen. And... Um... We get ourselves you know, a a heel turn, buddy. A, a little bit of a heel turn. So again, heel we've turn. Got, we might have another uh, another unit shift here going on. Yeah. So, um, Ass- you know, I, 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 uh, assuming Scorpio... assuming that the rest of you know that Christopher da- that you know the addiction Frankie Kazarian. Yeah. Christopher so Daniels. so yeah. We'll, we'll see what the state of SCU ends up being and how Kazarian and uh, Daniels react to Scorpio Sky's attitude change. I'm sure that this will tie into dynamite programming in the future. Interested to see that. Interesting to see the future of Scorpio Sky's heel run. I think this is going to be great. They really did telegraph it um, on the dynamite last week during his commentary. He was like working heel on commentary. 
and I kind of like giving you a little taste of what was to come. Uh, so they did like absolutely show their hand on it, but it was a well executed turn and one that makes sense for me. Uh, indeed. And, uh, so yeah, now Scorpio sky appears to be a bit of a heel turn. So now the end of the show is evil the, Scorpio, even hotter. The end of the show is the inner circle jerk <laughs> in which they, in, 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 in which they, in which they perform American heavy metal weekend without mass and social distancing. <laughs> Oh no. oh, no. American Heavy Metal Weekend. I'm not that vaccinated. My goodness. Oh, Jesus. Well, you know, I also just will take a, any chance I can to make a joke about the circle jerks. Cause, <laughs> you know, because it, 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 there, there, there's... Three... what I mean, what is, uh, you know, people are talking about WandaVision a lot, but uh, what is a podcast if not a circle jerk persevering? <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know, somebody actually edited a a, a panel from uh, fr- from preacher to put that to put that you know that that line about grief is love persevering into into preacher because it was like this is such a line that would have been in in nineties Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon preacher you know <laughs> but, but it's, it's brilliant it's art but uh, brilliant art. I, I was, but I was just gonna say that uh, you know the uh, it, it, there's usually three songs, one of three songs that people know by the Circle Jerks. One of them is American Heavy Metal Weekend, uh, Group Sex, of course, and of course, then, and then uh, when the shit hits the fan because they actually perform a lounge version of that in the absolute bona fide classic movie Repo Man. Oh, yeah. See, this shows our generational difference, because when you say a song called Shit Hits the Fan, I think of the one by Eminem um, about Ja Rule. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 can I, I, I can see that, but yeah, I was... As a millennial of... from Southeast Michigan, which right. is like where my brain automatically goes. Right, uh, you know, me being the old punk rock. Like if, yeah. if I could fit Eminem lyrics into anything, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You know, given, given that, you know, Kid Rock was also from Detroit. Uh, no, yeah, he's he, not. First of all, oh, oh first of all, oh Kid Rock is from Romeo. I have family from Romeo. It's fucking dirt roads and horse farms. Okay. He is not from Detroit. He's got his own tennis court. He grew up with his own tennis court. I you know, He grew up like his dad owned car dealerships and shit. They were fine. They weren't hurting. Yeah. They weren't hurt. And when he says straight out the trailer, he says, I am straight out of Compton, I'm straight out the trailer. The trailer he's talking about was like a horse trailer, like on their large property that he probably like went in to like feed a horse that they owned. Right. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, he has more right to Detroit than Kid Rock has. I mean, I, I don't. Also a better wrestler. <laughs> anyway, back to the inner circle. Jury. Um, People talk some shit. Sammy Guevara shows up, plays a video where MJF is trying to, uh, you know, trying to usurp the the inner circle. But oh wait, no, he isn't because MJF has been building his own unit in the meantime. Oh shit! And twist, swerve, bro. And uh, yeah, the 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 new unit consisting of Kelly Blanchard, Sean Spears, and FTR. And still Wardlow. And Wardlow. And still Wardlow. So yeah, they got a whole they got a whole crew of black t-shirt boys. And uh, you know what? I, I'm just gonna say, put it out there. I think this unit will be fine. Oh yeah. This segment sucked. I I hated this segment. 
it probably went on a little bit too long, but that was kind of the point. The physical parts were good, and the power bomb off the stage at the end was nice. But um, also, but I, I, it's, it's the inner circle thing was just at its natural endpoint, and everyone was just waiting for it to be over. So there was really, it was kind of a no-win situation. You just got to get to get to the next thing, right? We got to break this thing up and move on. I, 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 yeah, I really, really hope that this is not a a a face turn for Jericho and and uh, what's his fuck, uh, Jake Hager, because fuck, I don't think because I, what fuck I, those guys. You know? I think maybe probably going to write Jericho off for a little bit. I think this is maybe a get Jericho off TV for a hot second move. Um, I think maybe it gets you some distance with proud and powerful, let them go on their own tag run. And uh, Jake and, and Jericho probably remain heels, but I think you'll get a baby face turn for Santana and Ortiz and definitely Sammy Guevara. A hundred percent. I do see that happening, but, and now we have a, a new, you know, rampant heel unit uh, by by combining several. And I love units. how they kill their big heel unit by bringing in a new heel unit. I think that rocks. Yeah, I thought that was cool. This is like there were more there were more units formed and and, and, and units changed uh, than your average Dragon Gate tour. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, and you know what? I say hell yeah because factions in wrestling rule. People should be in factions. There should be tons of factions. Factions should be more prominent than anything. People should just be in groups. They should have group fights, singles matches that affect the group, all that kind of shit. Do it. Do well, more you, of it. You, you know, I, one of the best things about the Attitude Era isn't like all the edgelord shit. It's that everyone was in a cool faction. Well, except when they weren't. But they were for the most part, and that was the best parts. No, the whole point of Steve Austin was that he wasn't in one. Right, but like, or, what was or, or or he kept getting dragged into one. Right. So Steve Austin was the guy who like was was the exception, not the rule. But like everything else around him was Degeneration X and the Boricuas and fucking Nation of Domination and the Truth Commission. Oh yeah, and DOA and the Ministry and the Corporation and the Corporate Ministry. Yeah, I mean, I I, I take your point. I I do think that there is you know a. Um... I, I, right I, think, sensor. I mean, I, I do think that there is a, uh, something to be said for people who are not really affiliated with like a big unit though. And also, again, I am going to restate that if you are going to have not affiliated with, with a big unit, you're talking about the young bucks. That's right. Oh, um, oh. small dick energy. Get them. Oh, ow, if, hey. if you are going to have women in your company and you're going to have stables in your company, then you need to have at least one woman in your stable. I think that, I think that is fair. I think we probably failed to touch on. It looks like Vicky, Nyla and Brit and gang are forming a little bit of a faction here too. So we might be lady. We might be getting lady factions as well. Yeah, we could be. Uh, Now is Maki Ito going to stick around because dark Dark, dark order, not afraid to have ladies in the faction. And I think we'll probably see that. In other factions, I think this group, uh, this new heel faction, would do really well to have a prevalent heel lady at, or two in the group. I think that would be great. I think it would be a really nice return for like an awesome Kong if they wanted to do something like that. Um, yeah, well, or, I mean, Glo- Glow just wrapped up. Uh, they just they just shuttered production on Glow. So they shuttered production a while ago, last year when the pandemic first hit. So they canceled. I mean, she should be available soon, unless she just decided she doesn't want any part of AEW. Unless she doesn't want to wrestle, yeah, man. I mean, she had a long career, man. That shit hurts. So, but yeah, anyway, no, I. 
we'll see it. Yeah, I, I, I think I think they should hopefully uh, and hopefully they are entertaining it or are planning that out in the future. Now, allegedly, uh, some spoilers have hit saying that this this new group is now called the Pinnacle. Okay. Which okay, fine, whatever. We'll I mean, right. I, I hope that this does break up actually break up the inner circle. I think that's how it should be done. That's what it looks like, yeah. Uh, but I mean, otherwise, you know what? Again, I. The, the unit will be fine. The physical stuff was fine. The segment itself just dragged and sucked, I thought. I, and, I, you know, that's that's two things in a row, two AEW shows in a row where the ending just killed it, you know? I, I, I see, This one didn't kill it for me, so I think that's a little more uh, where where the, the revolution thing was like an objective disaster. I think this one's probably a little more open to interpretation of, you know, matter of taste. I thought, the you know, the, the prospect of a new uh, a new faction like this you know, anchored by FTR, I think is really exciting. Yeah, it seems like Tully and FTR really should be the anchor of this. So I, 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 I so well, MJF I, wants to be the star, but we know who the guys are for this. And like FTR are objectively like the like the real deal of this tag team. Like they're and, the guys. And eventually they're gonna eventually MJF's gonna, you know, piss off Tully or something. Yeah, I feel like eventually FTR is going to I mean this this is the whole thing with FTR, right? Like they're the smart guys, the top guys. They play the long game. So I think they use this thing as a stepping stone event. I don't think this group lasts maybe the rest of this year, maybe a full year if they get in. I'd be surprised because I think this is the kind of t- like dangerous or, you know, to to use a derivative term, this kind of dangerous alliance um that <laughs> is is destined to fail but in a very entertaining way. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that was the whole thing with the inner circle in MJF. But the problem yeah. is, is that they, it just dragged and dragged and. And then we got to where we got to. But, yeah, I think that, I mean, they did whatever they could to, to finish it up. And, not, you know, I got a satisfying conclusion for me. Fair enough. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can find me on Twitter at TV. All C's, no K's. Twitch at twitch.tv slash thickflare. Follow this podcast on Twitter at BGTD podcast. That's BG. TD podcast like boom goes the dynamite BGTD podcast. Um, you can check out my other podcast that's coming back soon. Fake fight, real fight at FFRF pod. Follow that on all the major podcast platforms. Subscribe. Harry and I have some stuff in the works. We'll be back. So check that out. Um, and then I thought I had another thing. Oh, the elevating into darkness, which we already talked about, but I'll say it again. Uh, Tuesdays on the Boom Goes the Dynamite podcast feed, you will find uh, some lightning fast uh, recap episodes dedicated to AEW Dark and AEW Dark colon elevation exclamation point. <laughs> you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh... My personal Twitter at GDWessel two S is one L. Um, I think uh, we are finally going to do an episode of Busting Balls. It's been a, a few minutes. Yeah, since we did one. So you bust those balls, man. They got to be blue and all kinds of colors. By well, this there's there's going to be some red uh, ball busting this Whoa. time because it's not, it, and for once it won't be Arsenal. So you know we got get a towel. There we go. Um, yeah, so that that will be coming up um, either Sunday or Monday. Uh, as we speak, so uh, just st- stay tuned for that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, w- this show will be back on the PWOM Podcast Network on Saturday. Tuesday, look for us on the BGTD Podcast feed. Uh, follow the Twitter account. Uh, you can get direct links to uh, the the new Elevating Into Darkness. Uh, this is uh, Paul's baby, so you know, and I don't, and I don't mean Griff Garrison. I, I don't mean Griff Garrison. 
either well, but uh you know but maybe, griff's always invite open invite to griff garrison there we go yeah maybe see if he, yeah just see if he'll come on the show that'll be fun yeah open invite for griff garrison to come talk about AEW dark and AEW dark elevation there we go uh paul any last words seth gargas and with that we'll see you next saturday take care Woo! bye now <laughs>